This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Missanelli podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the Mike Missanelli podcast on a Monday, September 11th. Yes, it is 9 11, and we all uh, bow our heads in a solemn tribute to the great Americans that lost their lives in that terrible tragedy. We will always remember, we'll never forget, uh, and we push on, uh, making sure that it'll never happen again. Of course, the podcast is brought to us by Bet Rivers. And uh, so let's start it out. Uh, as this is like just a few hours after the Eagles survive in game one of their 2023 season as they beat the New England Patriots up there 25 to 20. A lot of things to unpack in this game. Now, it was hairy at the end, but here's what I uh, I always like to – this is the comfort of the Eagles. Good teams manage to win games when they really don't have their best stuff. And the Eagles didn't have their best stuff. If, if you wanted to grade the Eagles through this whole game, their performance merited a C. And they still wound up winning the game, which is a comforting thought that you have a good enough team that would be able to win a game, even at the end, when it looked like a good team may have been able to take that game away from them. They made just enough plays at the end to hold off a mediocre team to survive. It's always important to get that first win, and now we're looking for style points. It's the first win. Here's the situation. The Eagles really did not play that much together during the preseason. So they came out, and and they showed that, and especially the quarterback showed that. There were some things that Jalen Hurts did yesterday that were just completely out of character uh, as to how he played last year. And we'll get into those little by little. Uh, All right, let's let's get to the end of this and then we'll we'll go back in time because the Eagles gave the Patriots a, a chance to win that game. The score was 25 to 21. And they wound up stopping two potential game-winning drives where guys made some plays. Now, the two chances were only given to them, the Patriots, because of a Jalen Hurts fumble on a designated keeper. So that put the whole wheels in motion. You know, you'd be able to give the ball back to the Patriots and then have to make some big plays to hold them off, and they did that. So uh, the first thing they did, was they got uh, they got Jordan Davis with, with a with a pretty good sack for a seven yard loss that that set up a fourth and seventeen on one of those drives, they, and then the, the Patriots got it back again with one forty eight left after the Eagles decided and this is a, a discussion point, the Eagles decided to go for it on fourth and two at the New England forty four. And they threw an incomplete pass to turn the ball back over. Now, this brings in the whole discussion of analytics. And this is how the game has changed. Because on fourth and two at the New England 44, you're not going to attempt a field goal there. And the analytics say that you're probably going to convert the fourth and two with a play. And and uh, 
and it, and you win the game if you convert it. So the percentage of winning the game to convert that in the analytics world is that you go for that first down and you win the game. The converse a- analytics of that is this. This is where you, you got to measure who your opponent is. Because I'm looking at that play and I'm going, okay, a pooch punt here, no matter where it goes. Suppose it's a bad pooch punt and they get it at the 20. Are the New England Patriots, this is the Mike Misnelli analytical analysis, are the New England Patriots a good enough offensive team to get the ball down the field 80 yards with the minimal weapons they have with Mac Jones? And my answer to that is no. So my analytics would win out over the actual number numerical uh, uh, analytics, which say you should go for it at that point. Because if, if you're just looking at the analytics on going for it and the increased percentage of win, you're not taking into account Mac Jones and his lack of weapons. So that's, that's what I look at in that situation there. So, okay, well, we're going to talk about this in a second. I'm going to bring Darren in on this. To me, the only way that New England can score in that situation is if you give them the ball back where you gave them the ball back. In other words, if you give them the ball to 10 or they're 20, they're not going to score. Darren, your thoughts. Well, just based on your point alone, okay, if I'm a defensive coordinator and you're at the 20, okay, I'm more apt to go into a prevent defense. So you're going to give up that 30, 40 yards anyway before I tighten the screws. Okay. You got the ball at midfield. Your the screws are tightened. You're you're playing regular defense. Now, that said, at that time, I thought this is a terrible decision. Even when he missed it, it was a bad decision. The more I thought about it, the when I slept on it, I'm good with him being aggressive on offense. I really am. And that, and you know I'm not an analytics guy. I take analytics out. If someone says air yards to me one more time, I'm going to punch them in the face. I hate analytics in football. It has no place. However, like this is one of those decisions where if he makes it, the guy's like, this guy's great. He's aggressive. What a head coach. He believes in his team. I love this guy. He didn't get it, so now everybody's questioning whether or not he's thinking that decision through. So it's a, it's a, you're damned if you do, and you're damned if you don't. Um, I don't know if if you if you're damned if you don't, and, and see, and that's 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 where that's where I come up. To me, the 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 most certain number percentage number is New England not being able to move the ball eighty yards down the field against you. They, they just can't, like, who are they going to do that with? They, they don't have anybody that's capable of doing that against a really good defensive backfield that the Eagles have. So I, I'm looking at it like, to me, that's a no-brainer in that situation. Maybe in another situation, it wouldn't be a no-brainer. In that situation, there's no way Mac Jones is taking the ball down the field against them. I, that, that, so I thought it was a bad decision, and it gave them a couple of opportunities to do it. Even with those opportunities, New England wasn't good enough to do anything about it. And it's because the Eagles made a couple plays. And, and the last play they make, when they get the ball back in the, in the, in the, with a minute 43 left, Jalen Carter, who had a great game, a lot of pressures, um, sacks Jones on a second and 10 at the Eagles 19, and then the fourth down incompletion to Kayshawn Boutte. They, they first ruled a completion, and obviously he was out of bounds on the play. Uh, and they survived the game 25 to 20. All right, let, let's look inside here and uh, give some grades out. Because as I said before, if you want to give grades, 
most of them will come out in the C range. So let's start with the quarterback. Jalen Hurts, 22 of 33, 170 yards, threw for a touchdown, got sacked three times. Yeah, kind of an average uh, uh, quarterback rating of, of 89.2. Uh, and Belichick's scheme confused him. So when you look at this game, you got to give credit to what Belichick did against them. And this is why I thought this game would be close. This is why I thought the Patriots were going to cover in this game. Belichick has had a lot of time to process game one against the Philadelphia Eagles, looking at video on what the Eagles have done to be successful with Jalen Hurts. So they bottled him. Uh, they, they really kind of snuffed down all these uh, these RPO reads. He didn't have any room at all uh, to, to carry the football on, on those things. And he took Dallas Goddard completely out of yeah, the game. Yeah, he took Dallas Goddard out. And, and, he, and, and this is another talking point that we'll talk about with Brian Johnson uh, in a little bit. So no preseason, uh, and I thought that Hurts really was kind of out of his element. Jalen Hurts last year saw the entire field. And uh, I think it was indicative at the end when he missed Goddard on two wide open patterns where his brain was not processing the whole field. His brain had decided he was going to go to A.J. Brown on the one play while Goddard broke open. That wasn't the Jalen Hurts that we saw last year. Jalen Hurts would make all kinds of decisions, the right decisions, by seeing the whole field. He did not see the whole field yesterday, and he got bottled up a little bit by Bill Belichick's defense. You agree? I I totally agree. I think you're right. I think in the second half they came out as well with with an intention to go downfield to Brown more. And I think that that could be very well be, be a product of that. His eyes, his brain's looking for AJ. And, oh, God, oh God, it's finally open. And he misses it. So yeah. That's yeah, possible. All right. So uh, let's now, one of the talking points going into the season was how the new defensive and offensive coordinators would affect the Eagles. Uh, let's just start on the offensive side, first of all, with Brian Johnson, who um, I thought had a mediocre day. I, I think that Brian Johnson is now, he's, um, the game is a little too big for him right now. Uh, I think that that will uh, subside as as these games go on. But uh, somewhere along the line, you have to realize that you have not even targeted one of your main guys in Dallas Goddard. I understand that Bill Belichick was paying attention to the tight end. Somewhere along the line, if I'm the offensive coordinator, I go, I got to get Goddard to football here. And and I think that that's got to be a priority one Thursday night against the Vikings, that you have to get him involved early. And I thought the game had kind of gotten too busy for Brian Johnson, and he did not process that the tight end was not getting involved in this offense. They targeted both wide receivers 10 times apiece. They targeted Goddard twice during the whole game, which is, to me, out of line. I think you're being nice when you say he had a media. Would you say, would you call it a mediocre day? Yeah, he had, he had a, uh, yeah. You're being kind. He had a very mediocre kind. day. He had a rough day. That was a putrid uh, first game for him. But, again, it's his first game calling plays at the pro level. It's his, the Eagles' first game with an offense that hasn't played together since February. So, I mean, there's, I'm, I'm apt to give a little bit. And they won the game. So, I'm apt to give a little bit. But, I mean, they got, what was it? They averaged, I think, 18 yards a drive. Yeah, it it wasn't for the two turnovers that got him a cushion. They could have very well lost this game because of their uh, offensive inefficiency. Now, here's point B on uh, Brian Johnson uh, as we move from Goddard to DeAndre Swift. Now, 
come on, where was he? He carried once for three yards. He had two targets in the passing game. He made one catch for zero yards. Forgotten man and totally in the offense. Now, I'm starting to wonder, did they not have enough time to process him in this offense? Uh, what, what was the story with DeAndre Swift not being involved? I think it's very simple. I thought it was an overrated signing. I was not big on DeAndre Swift. There's a reason that they brought in two other, another back. There's a reason there's four backs on this roster. If he was that good, first of all, he's not a good runner between the tackles. His one thing that he does well is he catches the ball out of the backfield. And he was, every time he caught the ball, he was within three, six feet of the tackle. I mean, you got to be out farther on these, on these smoke patterns that he runs. Yeah. He's, I mean, he looked really bad to me. I don't know why Penny was a was a healthy scratch. He's your best runner. You got to run the ball against New England. You got to run it well. I mean, I I don't know. It was a very confusing uh, benching for me, or or what do they call it? Yeah, non-starting, non-usage, non-usage of Andre Swift. And, and I I think higher of him than you do. Uh, at least in in the passing game, you got to target him more than than uh, two times. Uh, and let's look at another weird play call. Um, the fourth and two we've already talked about, right? Um, the, towards the end of the first half, I forget how many seconds were left. Uh, I don't like surrendering. When you have an offense like the Eagles, I don't like surrendering. They ran a ball up the middle to end the half, to waste the half. And I know there were well, there was not a lot of time left, but I, I like I don't understand a surrender there when you have a great offense and just go, okay, we're just going to waste the clock here. I don't agree with it. Number one, I agree with you there, but I will tell you as a way a coach thinks he's thinking we're lucky to have the lead. Now this defense is good. We don't know. We need to make some adjustments at halftime. Let's get the fuck out of here and get into the half. And I mean, that's what, that's what Sirianni's thinking at that point. Let's get, because he totally went the opposite way at the end of the second half. He was not aggressive at the end of the first half and then went very aggressive on the fourth and two. So it's I think they went they wanted to get into half, change their mindset, change a lot up. They knew what they were doing wasn't working. Let's get out of here. Yeah, I don't agree with it with uh, because it shows me you're scared to maybe make a bad play. That sends a bad message, and it's not befitting of a team that last year went to a Super Bowl based on an explosive uh, offensive profile. So uh, I would he not was cutting his losses. About I think that. at that okay. point. To recap the, the first part of this that we're talking about, the analytics that won out at the 44 yard line, and uh, if I quote De Niro uh, talking to Pacino in that diner in Heat, there's another side to that coin. And the other side of that coin is that the New England Patriots weren't going to come down the field and go 80 yards or even 90 yards uh, to win that game. All right. So, uh, all right, let, let's let's uh, get through, go through this game from the top here. Uh, the Eagles start with a really good drive. Now, we were so used to seeing them start off games with really good drives last year. So New England defers and, and the Eagles move the football. Now, they move the football with Kenneth Gainwell. Uh, they are in love with Kenneth Gainwell. To me, they, there's no question that he is their number one guy. They love the guy. So uh, eight, of the, uh, eight of nine touches go to him on, on the first drive, and, and they're moving the football, and um, they get to a third and goal, and Matthew Judon gets untouched to get a sack, and they have to settle for three with Jake Elliott, who uh, 
was money all day. And, you know, we were talking about giving game balls uh, during the postgame show last night. And I just couldn't – in my heart, I can't give it to a kicker. But I guess if there's one game that you have to give it to a kicker, you have to give it to Jake Elliott this game. He <laughs> yeah, I know how you feel about order. He, put, he puts them up 3-0. Um, Next thing that happens is what I call the lucky pick six. Um, not that uh, Darius Slade didn't make a great run back, but the, the, the ball deflects off Kendrick Bourne. It was a high throw by Mac Jones, a bad throw. It plops right in his hands, and he goes 70 yards. And he weaved his way for the touchdown. And I didn't notice that Mac Jones made a half-hearted effort to tackle him, which leads me to another point in discussion about football. Is this analytical where uh, – you don't want your quarterback to stop a touchdown in favor of the of surviving him from getting an injury. Now, I'm used to like, okay, some guy's going to score on you. I know I'm a quarterback. I know maybe I could get hurt if I make a tackle. But the teamly thing to do is at least try to stop the guy. Am I am I wrong when it comes to that in this day and age? No, uh, I was a quarterback, as you know, and I also played defense and I got, I got hurt twice in my career, in my high school career and both were playing defensive back. So no quarterback should not be tackled. So quarterback should just let level. a guy pass. Uh, well, touch the, Hey, no, hey you, you have to make it. a hearted hey, hey, here, effort. Here's seven. Go ahead. You're taught. Hold on. There are ways to make a hearted attempt without putting your body in injury. Usually you it's lowering and going towards the lower half of the body. He did not do that. He just kind of olayed him, and that was weak. By the way, his name, did you know his name is McCorkle? Who? Mac Jones. Oh, is the first name is McCorkle? No, his middle name is McCorkle. His name is Michael McCorkle Jones. Uh, so he goes by Mac. I like it. <laughs> I like, like I McCorkle? Like the, I like the Mac part of it. If his middle name wasn't McCorkle, he might not be Mac. I like the Mac. I agree. A strong move. But McCorkle... You got to talk can't go to wrong if you're going to rear a football player. You call him Jake or Mac. You can't go yeah. wrong with that. <laughs> but, you know, you got to go to mom and dad and be like, that's got to be like a fat. It's got to be like a great grandfather yeah. who was like a Civil War hero's name, right? McCorkle. I like it. Uh, my brother's <laughs> right. middle name is Salvatore. <laughs> that's a great name. That's a good Italian name. There you go. All right. Uh, that was my grandfather's <laughs> name, Salvatore. Uh, in any go. event, uh, Jordan Davis makes a great play on Zeke, punches the ball out. The Eagles get it at the New England 26-yard line, and they get the short TD pass to Devontae Smith. Now, the PAT is missed because Sippus had a bar of soap, and he didn't get the hold down properly. I know people go, well, how did you miss an extra point? But you got to look at the hold. The hold slipped out of his hand. He put it down crooked. And that's the only reason why Jake Elliott missed that. So it's 16 to nothing. And I'm thinking, okay, this is Route City. The Patriots look like crap. And this is going to ruin the whole day with this Tom Brady worship. But the, I thought the Eagles got a little complacent. Being up 16 to nothing, it happened a few times last year, but not that many times. At 16 to nothing, they're thinking, oh, we're going to drub this team. Uh, but that didn't happen. The offense punted four straight times. I think they were all three and outs, as a matter of fact. And then Jones found some rhythm using the middle of the field. Ten completions in a row. And the TD pass to Hunter Henry, who beats Blankenship. And then later, a TD pass on a post play to Bourne. Now, here's the discussion point. The Eagles 
do not like linebackers. They don't put a high value on the position. Linebackers, uh, this group of linebackers is going to have a lot of problems covering tight ends. The safeties are going to have a lot of problems having uh, covering tight ends. The slot man, Maddox did not have a great game yesterday in the middle of the field. So they took advantage of the middle of the field to boot. N'Kobe Dean gets hurt later in the game, leaves the stadium in a boot. That leaves them with exactly two linebackers on their roster for Thursday's game at home against the Minnesota Vikings. So, so here is I have some breaking news for you, Mike. Just broke. N'Kobe Dean, no surgery, but he will be out multiple weeks. Yeah. So he'll be probably out a few weeks. Okay. So no and that's surgery. what I thought. So they're going to have to sign a linebacker uh, at least for, to just give him a little depth here. But, you know, we've been talking about this for a lot of years. They devalue the position. I, I don't know. I, I guess in today's NFL, you do devalue the linebacker position to a certain extent. However, they had a linebacker that they could count on last year in TJ Edwards. They didn't want to pay him $6 million, so they let him go. Uh, and now they're starting linebackers going into Thursday. Zach Cunningham and Christian Ellis. Um, who's the tight end for the Minnesota Vikings? <laughs> He's the highest paid tight end in the National yes, Football League. The Hawkins. That they're going to face on Thursday. So we'll see what kind of adjustments they can, can, can make uh, uh, w- with that. Um, all right, so, Darren, let me give, give you your general overall thoughts on this game and what it means and what it revealed to you. Uh, well, first of all, uh, the fact that Aaron Sipos is only on this team because he's Jake Elliott's holder and Elliott trusts him, and the fact that he flubbed that snap really bothers me. Like, come on, man. You're here for one. You're not even here to punt. You're here to hold. You came to do that one. All right, so... But overall, it's week one. They beat a really good defense in their house in a big emotional game for them. You're going to talk about them. The, the greatest player ever retired. You know, the whole, they were everybody, everybody was amped up for, for Tommy. Tommy was back. Tommy's back. Tommy was back. And, uh, you know, that's a good win on the road. In any other season, that's a great road win. Um, they showed signs of not playing together in the preseason. The offense did. They clearly did. Even the offensive line, like the tackles were getting, Johnson and Milano were getting their doors, they were getting their brakes beat off all game. Um, you know, so I, I'm chalking that up to no preseason. And guess what? They won the goddamn yeah. game. Yeah, no, you're I'm right good. about that. And that's I'm good. The, the thing that, that counts the most. And, you know, when you, when you, it felt like a loss, frankly, but when, when you look at it, you go, okay, they're good enough to play like that and still win a game, which makes them a pretty good team. That's the way uh, I tend to look at it. Uh, all right, we'll, we'll come back and, and take a look at the Minnesota Vikings that, that are coming up. Uh, boy, they, they stink. And, and they, they, they conned me. And we'll get to that in a second with our selections because, uh, I had a bad week. Darren had a good week, as he reminds everybody on Twitter that, that he had a good week. But but he won't bet a penny. He'll, he'll, he'll just the, throw it out there. I'm the only I, one in the Bet Rivers Network that went undefeated. I'm the only one in the Bet Rivers Network that went undefeated. The whole network. I went undefeated. There you go. Except you didn't make three cents out of it. So uh, well, let's, uh, let's keep rolling right. here with our football talk. And uh, this is going to be a, a regular uh, feature following Eagles games uh, and following the NFL weekend. Uh, it is called Five Thoughts on Football. I tried to go a little more creative than that, 
but that's the best I can come up with five thoughts on football, which I think uh, simplistically works a little better than some fancy title uh, that would come off phony. Uh, all right, so this is a recap of uh, the NFL events of yesterday. Uh, so let's go with number one of my five thoughts on football. The Giants, the New York football Giants. Are you freaking kidding me? I mean, that, that is a disgrace. They get hummed 40 to nothing by the Dallas Cowboys. Let me make a statement here. No NFL team, none, should be able to lose 40 to nothing. And I sincerely mean that. That's like, you know who loses like that when an FCS school plays an FBS school? That's the kind of score you get because they're that overmatched. In the NFL, you're telling me that pro players can be overmatched to lose 40 to nothing? It's a disgrace, and they deserve it up there. The Giants team, first of all, they overpaid their quarterback by like $60 million a year, frankly, Daniel Jones. Saquon Barkley, his heart isn't even in playing football anymore until they put him through the ringer. Uh, so he runs for 51 yards yesterday. Uh, and uh, three catches for 12. This is a team that thinks they should be playoff worthy. And and they get beat 40 to nothing by the Dallas Cowboys. What does it mean? Well, does it mean that we're taking the Cowboys a little lightly? Are the Cowboys 40 to nothing that good? Your thoughts, Darren? You, hold on. You should never get boat raced by Dallas in the division in your first game at home. Week one at home. You got boat raced by Dallas. It's a bad day to be a Giants fan. And you hit it on the nose. That quarterback, I know when he was drafted, I thought, you know what? This kid's smart. He makes good throws. It's a good draft pick. I, I because their their GM got killed at the time for taking him. Boy, was I wrong about this kid. He really can't play a tough game. Every big like he played well in some games last year. Every big game the Giants played last year, including in, in against Philly three times. He got his – they got their doors blown off. That's – it's a bad day to be a Giants fan because you're questioning a whole lot about that organization right now. Yeah. Um, so, you New York columnists, have have a field day with that because let me tell you something. I'd have the knives sharpened if that was me. All right, number I two. might have to call Bob Brook over to see if he's okay today. Yeah. Number two. <laughs> well, I guess this, uh, I, there's fear in my heart now because the San Francisco 49ers are pretty good. Uh, I didn't want to believe it. Uh, I didn't want to believe that they could win more games than the Eagles get that number one seed. I'm now thinking that maybe that is a possibility. They're good, plus the the schedule in that division. They should rack up the wins. And I guess Brock Purdy is pretty good. He comes off the map. First game following to Tommy John. Um, 19-29, two TDs, pedestrian. But here's the thing about this team. He doesn't have to do much. They're surrounded by by, by really good talent. They they uh, they run the ball. They they've got uh, uh, Debo Samuel, who's one of the toughest players in the league, uh, and Christian McCaffrey has found. I don't know what he's found because a couple of years ago he looked like he was a beat up player. All of a sudden he bangs a uh, bags not bangs he bags Olivia Cupo and he's got lead back in his pencil. 22 carries for 152 yards. He catches more out of the backfield. They win 30 to 7 over the disappointing Pittsburgh Steelers, who were my pick to upset the 49ers in week one based on how good they looked in preseason. Kenny Pickett. Kenny. Kenny. What are you doing to me here? The 49ers, a legit number one seed. And all of a sudden, I'm nervous. Your thoughts. 
They looked sharp, man. They looked really sharp. I mean, McCaffrey ran for a buck fifty-two yesterday on like two carries. Like every time he touched the ball, he was off and running. Uh, they looked sharp. Purdy looked really sharp in the pocket defensively. And that was your outright pick, by the way. Thirty to seven on uh, that final. San Francisco yeah, legit. I know. Uh, and uh, and I was. I'm telling you, I'm, I was lamenting. Kenny, <laughs> All right, let's go to number three. Oh, I uh, saved this for right in the middle. Darren's man crush gets pummeled yesterday. Oh, Joe, Joe Burrow runs to the bank to cash that zillion dollar check and throws for 82 yards as the Bengals, a lot of people think they go to the Super Bowl, get blasted by the Browns 24 to three. The richest quarterback ever goes 14 to 31. For just 82 yards. Dude, talk to me. He was hurt. I saw him early. I could tell when he's. I know when a quarterback's hurt. He was definitely hurt. He was rubbing his knee, the one he had surgery on the whole first half. Uh, his his wing was off. I'm telling you, he's hurt. And you're going to find out in the next couple of days that he's nursing an injury. He got pulled. They pulled him in the fourth quarter. Now, the game was over. But. That's still a bad look. I agree. And I knew all day you're like, oh, he Mike's game. I know Mike can't wait to get to me tomorrow. Well, Joe of Burrow. course, I was no. buried in the Eagles game, uh, preparing for my uh, for the wonderful Jacob Media postgame show uh, for last night from Ocean Casino. So I didn't really pay that much attention to it. I did see the number of 82. And I looked at that game early. I, I thought that was a good play. And I, I, I lament that I didn't take the Browns. Uh, but uh, the Browns look like they have a pretty good defense. And guess who the arc? architect of that defense is stop it our old Sticks. buddy jimmy schwartz Sticks. Sticks. is the defensive Sticks. coordinator for the cleveland browns run it run the sticks the, throw it in third long sticks and, and and so watch out for, for those cleveland browns all right number four. Oh my god tua what a game this was. Tua and Herbert going back and forth. Uh, uh, Tua throws for 466 yards and three touchdowns. And the only thing I'm thinking, uh, oh God, if I was a quarterback, I would love to have Tyreek Hill. That dude, you can't cover that dude. He's amazing. And the Miami Dolphins go uh, into L.A. and pummel the, uh, uh, the, the Chargers are one of these teams. I, I've never seen anything like him. They they can find more ways to lose than anybody. They, they they lose more winnable games than any team I've ever seen. They just don't know how to win. They don't know how to coach. They're a horribly coached team. There's more talent on it. The Chargers, if you go back to like the days when Drew Brees was drafted by the Chargers, Ladanian Tomlinson, when AJ Smith was a GM, they they were they've have consistently been the deepest roster in the league. And they find they invent ways to lose games. They can't find a coach that knows what the hell he's doing. He takes too many risks, that guy. I don't. I mean, I, I was on him when he was first hired because I thought he was, but he's way too analytical, and and that's a problem for them. Yeah. Well, congratulations to Tua. Last year, playing with scrambled eggs, and now he's back. Uh, yeah, he's got his wits about him, uh, and he played uh, very well. Uh, finally, uh, to close out, uh, five thoughts on football. Number five is this: the three amigos. I call them. The rookie quarterbacks that everybody drafted, they throw them right in the NFL. 
Now, if I was really smart at betting on my Bet Rivers app, I would have loaded up a zillion dollars on the money line against those three quarterbacks, Anthony Richardson, C.J. Stroud, and Bryce Young, uh, none of whom win yesterday. Richardson had some moments. C.J. Stroud got sacked five times. Bryce Young, 146 yards. You just can't come into the NFL from college and and think that you're going to be successful when all these defensive coordinators have schemes to to take away whatever it is you do. These growing pains with these young quarterbacks, I just don't understand how you can think you could throw them in there and think they're going to be successful right away. It just does not happen in the NFL. And I'm an idiot for not betting against all three of them. Well, you're 100% right about the rookie quarterback thing. In fact, Bryce Young, I think the last number one pick to start a game was uh, David Carr. I'm pretty sure that's accurate. David Carr was the last number one overall pick to start week one. And they both got pummeled. Uh, All three of the rookies this year, the first-round picks got pummeled. The, The alternative, though, is you start Gardner Minshew. I mean, what? Or some other shit backup, shit bag backup that's like, what are you going to, like, really... What's the alternative, Mike? The alternative is you do exactly what you just said because at least you give these guys time to process the league. You can't throw them in from from a preseason to the NFL, the real thing, and expect that they're not going to go, it's just not the same. It's ridiculous. So even if you have to start Minshew, where's that team going? They don't care. So give them a foundation. Start to start a veteran guy, just like Andy Reid started Doug Peterson. We all hated it here, but the methodology w- turned out to be proper. You, you get a guy, you let him on the sideline, you get him used to the pace of the game, you get him used to the film study, you get him used to looking at the tablet, you, you see different coverages. By the time you, you're ready to go in, at least in game six, you're better prepared in game one. I mean, first of all, you get your, your, your dick kicked in in game one. What is that supposed to do for your confidence? All that does is, oh, my God, can I play in this league this early? That's what the thought goes through their head is. Peyton Manning set the NFL record for INT's return for a touchdown his rookie year. Look, I can give you a, a ton of great guys that started week Peyton one. Peyton Manning was a lot, had a lot bigger of a pedigree than any of these three guys. Uh, maybe. Maybe. You're right. You're probably right. These but that doesn't mean have, the- listen, These guys were the best of the lot. Does it mean they have a pedigree? We were talking about a Bryce Young's 5'10", for crying out loud. C.J. Stroud, in an offense in the Big Ten, wasn't sophisticated. He threw to Marvin Harrison. That was the extent of his success. And Anthony Richardson started, what, eight games in college? You said you made an argument against your own argument, whatever. But you said, where's this team going? Referring to the Colts. That's exactly why you throw the rookie in there. exactly why you don't. Because you bury his confidence. Oh, if come on. He's a grown man. He makes $100 million a year. He confidence. takes over game six. He's got a little more confidence. He's not going to get browbeaten. All right. Oh, stop it. They're not children. I mean, they're children, but they're not they're, children. In an NFL age, they're children. That, 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 <laughs> that's, a, that's a big, mean league, and those guys come after you. Uh, well, right. grow that, up, kid. You're a quarterback. Five thoughts on football for today. All right, let's get into uh, – uh, our Bet Rivers selections of last week. Uh, I'm embarrassed. I had a pig weekend. Uh, and let me just say a couple things. The Vikings, I'll never bet them ever again. Uh, I mean, come on. You, you lose to that Tampa Bay team at home as a six point favorite. That's disgraceful. Um, the Steelers. <laughs> Kenny! 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 Uh, all right. And then finally, 
the Saints. Minus three and a half. The Saints are driving towards the end of that game. They are in uh, field goal range. A field goal gives me the cover. What happens on third down, they get a first down. <laughs> and then they take a knee for the rest of the game to, to spoil the rest of the clock. I'm going, stop them on third down. If they stop on third down, they kick a field goal, they cover. Bad beat for me. But zero and three. Meanwhile, Darren, you took the Jaguars, which was a solid selection. And who else did you take? I had the Eagles and the Jaguars. That's right. You had the Eagles. So uh, and so you were sweated out at the end with the Eagles. So you went 2-0. Uh, I, I had the Ziggy, and I'm uh, totally uh, embarrassed by that. Uh, You'll catch right. up. Uh, You'll one catch quick up. thing. It's time for Mike Unleashed. Just one quick thing for Mike Unleashed today because we mentioned it earlier. It was Tom Brady Day in Foxborough. I got to be honest with you. I was shocked that there wasn't more fanfare. The, the, like, what did we see? Tom? We saw a couple cursory camera shots of him next to Kraft. And they, we had a, a little cursory, little two-minute interview of him at halftime. I expected TV to go wild with uh, showing great plays and going back in time and doing this. They underplayed the Tom Brady thing, I thought. And I, I actually thought they were going to go and I expected more and I kind of wanted more. If you're going to bring him back and pay tribute to him, make a fuss. They didn't make any kind of a fuss. I thought. I totally agree. I was expecting them to cut away from, they're not going to give up the advertising dollars, right? So you're still going to have as many commercial as, it, as they can possibly fit into a halftime show. That said, they could have done away with Browns, Bengals highlights or whatever other, crap one o'clock game they were highlighting uh at halftime i mean i i really i kind of wanted to see it to be honest i with did you. too i thought it was a very uh, rather subdued presentation for tom brady uh, a man uh, befitting of uh, more attention than that even though i know people here hate him uh i think he's the best ever so uh i i admire the best ever and i don't have a problem with whatever that dude does uh okay so that is a quick mic unleashed today uh, let's get towards the end of this show with my thought of the day. My thought of the day always leads into some kind of a modern culture reference. So the thought of the day was actually the U.S. Tennis Open, where Coco Goff, uh, with a tremendous victory over Sabalenka, uh, and at age 19, wins the U.S. Open. And I'm looking at her entourage that she had seated uh, in the, uh, the part of the, the, the area, the stands that were cheering for him. Of course, it was a great moment where for her dad and her mom and she had her aunts and some relatives and some friends there. And I'm looking at this guy and they go, that guy is the actor Leon. Now, there aren't many people on this earth that n would know the actor Leon, except me. He goes by one name. I think his last name is Leon Robinson, but he's always gone by one name. He was in movie like The Five Heartbeats. He was in. But the best movie that I ever saw him in was one of my favorite sports movies of all time, a very underrated sports movie. And it's called Above the Rim. And in Above the Rim, it stars Leon, Tupac. And Dwayne Martin, an actor who is the absolute best basketball player actor I have ever seen. And it's a story about 
Dwayne Martin, who's a great high school player, but he's a little cocky and he's trying to get to the next level, trying to get a, a scholarship to Georgetown and uh, uh, against uh, and it's the backdrop of the inner city. And Tupac is, of course, the drug lord in the neighborhood who fosters a team in this big tournament that they have on the playground. And so he poaches Dwayne Martin uh, and Leon is Tupac's brother who got into some kind of a, 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 a problem. Uh, his friend fell off a roof and it ruined his whole career. He was a great basketball player. So he disappeared for years and all of a sudden he comes back into the picture. So there's the dynamic of good versus evil in the brothers. You got, you got Tupac paying for players to win this tournament. You got Dwayne Martin, a cocky kid trying to get to the next level who's going to be swallowed by, by the gangs. And Bernie Mac is also in the movie as a junkie on the street. Right, you, if, if you, Darren. I assume you have not seen this movie. It, I have seen it. It's a long. I've only seen it once. It's right. been a long. All right. So anyway, Leon is in Coco Goff's entourage. I spent two hours trying to research the connection between Coco Goff and the actor Leon, and I couldn't find anything. Apparently, he's, <laughs> he's just got to be like a family friend or something. Uh, right? Apparently, he's just a fan of Coco Golf, and somehow got involved and became part of the entourage. And so I go, that's Leon. <laughs> now, meanwhile, Nicole Kidman's over here. Charlize Theron's over there. I'm obsessed with Leon being in the entourage of Coco Golf. I'll tell you who I was obsessed with. That's Sibalenka. I love athletic girls. Yeah, she oh, you see my sad. wife. She's a black belt. My wife's a black belt in karate, and she was yeah, a point guard like basketball. It's a big, strong Belarusian <laughs> tennis yeah. player, and uh, you know, I, I got well, uh, Maria Sharapova was also there. Who uh, I got to f- feel that uh, Sabalenka, when she's in um, uh, in cocktail wear, looks pretty good. <laughs> oh, right, all day, Chris. Yeah. all day <laughs> on Christmas morning, yeah. on the yeah. table at my family's home. <laughs> All right, let's close it down for today, this silliness. Uh, And again, we'll be back at you a couple more times this week, a Thursday preview podcast. And then, of course, we'll follow it up with the Friday uh, result podcast, And depending on what the Eagles do uh, on Thursday. Uh, Meanwhile, it it is 9-11. And um, I I know this uh, this affects people differently. And what the, uh, to to me, the the message of 9-11 is the the heroicism that w- was showed by the people who, who tried to rescue and went in there knowing that uh, they really had a, a little chance of surviving once they got in there to try to rescue other people. Uh, and it, it's an American tragedy we'll never uh, uh, forget. And, and it should remain in our hearts, uh, and we should be stern about this never, ever happening again and, and hiking up our resolve to make sure it doesn't happen. But, Darren, I know that uh, this is also a, a solemn uh, date for you as well. My yeah, my grandfather was a highly decorated firefighter, Ed Murphy, who was who actually turned down the fire chief of Philadelphia job twice because he said, "I'm not a, a chief, I'm a firefighter." And and so, like, if you haven't seen the sixty minute piece, uh, which aired last night, I think they've aired it a couple times on the anniversary, basically talking about the FDA uh, fire department of New York and the guys and the three hundred some odd firefighters that lost their lives. There were over a hundred firefighters, literally that went into one of those towers, at least one, or one, I don't know which one, knowing they weren't coming out. I, I, I get emotional when I watch it. I, I'm not afraid to tell you. I cry when I watch it. Um, the fire department, any fire department, meet, firefighters mean a lot to me. And just those people, here's the thing about 9-11 that I can't say about any other event in my life. 
I mourn and cry for complete strangers. And I mourn and cry for the families of complete strangers. Every one of those firefighters I've never met, I don't know their families, but I mourn and I cry for them this day every single year. And it's, uh, you know, I, get, I really do. I get emotional thinking about it, man. Those, those, they are the bravest. Like they talk about firefighters being the bravest men in the world. They are the bravest men in the world. My hat goes off. And thank you to every firefighter that's, that's listening and is a fan of the show, really. Well said. Uh, everybody, have a great rest of the day. You can contact me uh, at mike at mikemiss.com. I'd love to get your emails, and I will, uh, I will actually read the emails. If, if it's a, a really thought-provoking and interesting, I'll read all your emails on the air, and I try to answer every one of them. Check out my website, mikemiss.com. And also, you can check me out on Twitter at mikemiss25. All right, that's going to do it today. Kenny! Kenny! Have a great day, everybody. Uh, for the Mike Missnelli Podcast, for Darren, we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Mike Missnelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network.